Welcome to Living Catholic. I'm David Anders from the Department of Education in the Diocese of Birmingham, and with me today is Father Justin Ward. Father Ward is the administrator of St. Leo's Parish in Demopolis, Alabama. He's also the vicar for sacred liturgy in our diocese. He was ordained in 2019 and then went on to earn a licentiate in sacramental theology, church musician, turned Catholic, turned priest, and Renaissance man extraordinaire. Father Ward, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, we've been on a series, uh, this is our third week on a series on celebrating the Lord's Day, and our bishop has called us to a year of the Eucharist and of the parish, and of course, central to that identity is what we do on Sundays. It's really the most important day of the week for a Catholic, uh, but this has been a strange year, obviously, this year, when we've also been dispensed from our Sunday Eucharist obligation. So we've been exploring what does it mean to celebrate the Lord's Day uh, in a year without without a Sunday obligation. And we with Father McDonald, we looked at what does celebrating the Lord's Day look like outside of Mass. With mm-hmm. Father Brad Jantz, we talked about the biblical foundation of, uh, of, the, of the Sunday celebration. And with Father Ward, our liturgy specialist, we're into the meat and potatoes of the thing, right, which is actually the Holy Eucharist. So, right. Father, why don't you tell us, for starters, what, what is the essential connection between the Eucharist and the celebration of the Lord's Day. Well, I would say not insignificantly has the church consistently from the beginning of time said that the Eucharist and the Sunday celebration of the Lord's Day is are intrinsically bound up. And so you really can't separate the two. The Eucharist, it's true that no matter when the Eucharist is celebrated, that it is the same sacrifice that Christ offered, but it's preeminently executed on the Lord's day. That's when the church gathers. You know, when our Lord left us, he left us with a promise. He said that I will be with you Mm. until the end of time. How does he do that? As Catholics, we know that we are a sacramental church. He's left us the sacraments of the church. And so the Eucharist, the preeminent sacrament that we have where he comes and lives present among us, um, is celebrated each Sunday of the Lord's day. And that's essential to being a Christian, to gathering um, as a community um, of disciples of Christ, to come and not just remember what he did for us, but to actually encounter him in a living way. And so when we don't have that opportunity to do that, we're really um, at an objective disadvantage, which in the the church longs for the full return of that. Now, now Father, my parish is Our Lady of Sorrows. And as you know, in Homewood, we've got a beautiful Eucharistic Adoration Chapel there Mm -hmm. that we're all very proud of. Uh, why can't I encounter the, 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 the real presence of Christ in the Adoration Chapel? I mean, then that's good enough, because if he's left me the sacrament to be with me, I can go meet him in the Adoration Chapel. Sure. What does what Holy Mass add to that mm, picture? Yes. So his, his true presence, of course, is present in the Holy Eucharist, but the Holy Eucharist that we see um, in adoration that's preserved in all the tabernacles of the Catholic Church and all the monstrances in these places with grace tabernacles— are the fruit of the holy sacrifice that has been offered Hmm. at the Mass. You know, uh, the Church teaches that um, we have one sacrifice. You know, living in the Bible Belt down here, we sometimes have to circle back around and remind people that um, Christ is not being continually sacrificed over and over, but the one sacrifice. Um, But when we celebrate the Holy Mass, what we have um, there is an opportunity for us to unite ourselves to that sacrifice in the sacrifice that's being offered on behalf of the church. 
you know, as, and so as the body of Christ, we're there. And so we continue to reap the fruits and the benefits of that in his presence. But the offering that we make um, in the context of Mass, you know, happens in a way in the Mass that, that is not possible in just a time of adoration with the real presence. Now, if, if we're emphasizing the Sunday is a place of encounter with the presence of Christ, mm-hmm. and obviously for Catholics, the preeminent mode Mm-hmm. of Christ's presence to us is in the Holy Eucharist, in the, in the elements of the Eucharist themselves, the bread and wine that become the body and blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. But is that the only mode of Christ's presence that we encounter on Sunday, or is he also present to us under other modes? Other modes, yes. Uh, as an ordained person, as an ordained priest, you know, that's one of the... One of the um, the ways that Christ's real presence we talk about in persona in the in the person in the head of Jesus Christ, you know, the ordained person. But in the liturgical celebration, we also have um, the Word of God, which comes to us, and I think that's real important to know. You know, as we said, you know, the Sunday celebration is not only a remembrance of a past event; it's a living and effective, as we say so often, um, and one of the gospel acclamations encounter with the presence of the risen lord in the midst of his own people and so when the community gathers each week for the eucharist it has a twofold purpose and that's why i say you know when the body of christ um can't gather to accomplish a twofold purpose something is is at a real disadvantages and um one of those purposes, of course, is the Eucharistic sacramental presence that we have in mm-hmm. the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. But the other is to encounter him in the living word, the word preached. You know, one of the um, responsibilities of the priest in a, in a particular way is one of his most solemn duties is a reflection on the word of the Lord. And by prayer and study, he comes to a conclusion of how to present that so that he can express its contents faithfully and apply that to where we are. You know, that's a real co- constitutive element of the Lord's day. Okay, let me stop you right yeah. there because you said a lot, and I want to oh. delineate these things okay. and, and draw the points out because they're fantastic. So, okay. you, you you know, when I asked you, how, how are the ways that Christ is present to us? Yes. In my mind, one of the things I was thinking is Christ is present in the Word, Christ is present in his people. You reminded me, actually, I wasn't thinking this, Christ is present in the priest. Exactly. You know, here comes the procession, the, 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 the intro, here comes Father processing down the aisle. There, mm-hmm. goes, there goes Christ That's in right. persona Christi. And, and then, of course, we gather with the priest. So you've got the, pe- you've got the priest, you have the people of God who are the body of Christ, uh, we have the preached word, Christ present in his word, mm-hmm. uh, and we have Christ present in the sacrament. So those are, those are many ways in which different ways, complementary ways, in which we experience Jesus on Sunday morning in a way that we don't experience him someplace else. You know, it occurs to me when my non-Catholic friends say, do you have a relationship with Jesus I should respond, oh, let me count the ways. That's right. That's right. right. If you ever have the opportunity to attend a Holy Mass is celebrated in its most solemn form and the use of incense is used, there are four times where incense is used. In the, and so it reiterates, it underscores what you just said. So I think of the gospel is incensed. You know, the altar, the altars um, 
the living uh, presence of Christ. And so that's all at the beginning. Then the then the gospel book. Then the priest and the people, both at at, at the um, at the offertory before the Eucharistic. And then of course the real presence in Christ in the Eucharist is incense. And so that's how some of our liturgical practice underscore these many different ways that we encounter the living Christ, even in just the context of one liturgical celebration of the Holy Mass. You know, that's that's a beautiful point. And I, and I, I have to tell you, I had not thought of that before. You yeah. know, when I've attended the Mass, the liturgy with incense, you know, I think it's easy to think, well, this is a pretty adornment. Sure. This is a pretty adornment. But really it's drawn from the Old Testament symbolism of the, the, the pillar of fire, the pillar of smoke, that represent to us the presence of Christ. Right. And we sense these things, there's Jesus, there's Jesus, there's Jesus in these respective modes. I'm going to remember that the next time I go to Mass. I hope you'll use some incense. Yes. Um, so, uh, look, when we talk about the Sunday obligation, which has been dispensed for now, but sure. we talk about that, I think a lot of people think in terms of, well, you know, I need to go to Mass and receive communion. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's a great blessing. But is that actually what the obligation obligates us to? Is the obligation an obligation to receive communion? No. What are we obligated to yeah. when we're obligated? Well, so I, 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 like, I think what we mentioned earlier, so that, you know, when the bishop in his authority of the church has, has dispensed us from the canonical obligation to be present at Mass on Sunday right now, he hasn't dispensed us from Sunday. And so... That's a good distinction. That is a good distinction, yeah. And so what does that mean that that we're not dispensed from? And so when we do have the opportunity to gather as Matt, what of that comes into into the liturgical celebration? As we say, you know, the the listening and the hearing of God's word, the confession of, of sin or a disposition of penitence, you know, to come humbly before the Lord in um, the sacrifice that's going to be offered, you know, the, from the beginning, the Lord we have set aside the Lord's day to recall. He raised from the dead on the Lord's day. We remember that. We and and part of the Eucharistic prayer is a remembrance. That is what calls us. That draws us to um, the climax, which is the making present of the sacrifice against once more. But to do that, we have to get ourselves in a frame of mind, a frame of reference. And I think that when we're when we're in a pandemic or a time such as this, or you're sick and you know um, you're unable to attend the Sunday obligation, um, what do we do? And um, that's I think I think that's what we're. we're what the church has tried to encourage us to preserve in these times, um, to pray, to spend time with his scripture. But really, the obligation, the, the mass, whether we receive Holy Communion or not, the holy sacrifice is offered continually. Mm-hmm. And so you come, and whether you're in a state to receive Holy Communion, um, you know, a, a state of grace where you can worthily receive Holy Communion, you still are nevertheless present at the offering of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And so if you go with an attitude of, well, I can't receive Holy Communion today, or the bishop has said I don't have to, what's the point? You know, there's still a real grace that comes to us in a different kind. Of, we, we, we can talk about different kinds of grace that <clears throat> re- when you receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity, into us is one, but there are all kinds of other graces that come to us in the um, the mass and the liturgical celebration, and so you see, this is the heartbeat, the heartbeat of what it is to be a Catholic Christian, and so um, 
it's it's a great pain. It's a great difficulty. It's why so many bishops lament and the Holy Father himself. And I am privileged to sometimes see some of the correspondence coming out of Holy See to the Holy See to to try to help the, navigate the church through these times. You know, and you just see the pastoral concern because even in the midst of a pandemic, we know that we we can't compromise what is the heartbeat of our faith. That is the Eucharist particularly in the celebration of the Sunday Eucharist. Now, you, you stressed that while we have to be physically present at mm-hmm. Mass, you put a heavy emphasis on on cultivating that right disposition, That's right. a receptivity and a docility. Um, so uh, it reminds me of a text I remember I read from St. Augustine. He has a text on catechizing the uninstructed mm-hmm. from the 4th century, and he, he, was, he himself was frustrated by the people that would come to Mass as he put it, corporaliter, in body only. And he said, I've got all these bodies here, but I want some souls along with them. I want, right. some, I want some interior cultivation, some disposition. Mm-hmm. And that's what catechesis was meant to, meant to convey. Well, uh, when it comes to the physical, our corporal bodily presence, um, what does it mean to be physically present to the Eucharist? How, how proximate to the celebration do we have to be technically? In a technical sense, you have to be there, and uh, in the in a technical sense, you have to be there, uh, gathered within um, an opportunity to hear where the sacrament could be distributed to you mm-hmm. if you wanted um, it to 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 be received. Um, the par- the participation of the faithful, you know, it's important to remember that one of the elements of the Eucharistic assembly or the gathering is that fraternal dimension that is there. You know, we don't go to church by ourselves exclusively. Hmm. We take ourselves there, but we're part of, um, you know, a fraternal brotherhood, as it were, gathered in one place where um, communion can be received. And so, you have to be there in in the present. You know, we we often think about how virtually. You know, is it the same thing if I listen to all this and then you know in two hours an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion is going to come by and give me communion? Have I assisted at Mass? Well, you've done something very pious. You've done something beautiful. You've prayed well, perhaps, but you haven't offered yourself with the sacrifice that is being offered at the um, at the altar. It's not a bad thing. But it's an objectively distinct thing that yeah. has happened, yeah. and so um, that's you know that's important for. And I think that's one, we have an opportunity in this time right now to sort of reevaluate you know our mindset and our disposition for going to to mass, and and um, so that we're not just there in our body only, as we mentioned. You know, um, I think it's a real opportunity, but at the same time, it can kind of be. A little pricking at us as we evaluate, you know, how we've done up until this point, and uh, have we taken advantage or taken for granted, rather, um, you know, our assistance at mass and the opportunity to have done that with such consistency and frequency. You know, you 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 draw my mind to the text in Saint Paul's letter to the Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter ten, when he says, "We we become one body as we partake of the one loaf, who is mm-hmm. who is Christ." And uh, so, you know, we know that sacraments are efficacious signs. They, they're signs of spiritual realities, and they, they actually make present the reality they symbolize. We, the Eucharist definitely makes present Christ's body and blood, but would it be true in a kind of remote way that the, the sacrament also 
sort of evokes and calls into existence the the liturgical community. We come, oh, we come so the, that's another way in which Christ's body in a in a different mode is 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 evoked and called into being through the liturgical celebration. Right, right. As I say, we're not we're gonna we're going to get to heaven as you know as a community. You know that's that's the body of Christ that's working as we go. And you know. Um, St. John Paul, in this document that we've been considering, you know, he makes an equivocation between the day of the Lord as the day of the church. Yes. You know, and um, so it's, it is important to stress the community aspect of the Sunday celebration um, because the sacred liturgy is not just about the here and now. And I think some of, sometimes the momentum and some of the considerations and some of the creativity has been a little bit focused exclusively on the here and now. But that's not what we proclaim as Catholics when we gather as 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 at the Catholic Mass. You know, uh, the document um, talks about this parad- this uh, this eschatological or pilgrim character that we have that we're always on this journey going. And so, you know, it lifts us up out of the here and now. And you know, so Sunday after Sunday, the church is on this you know, constant journey towards the final Sunday, which we, we, we never know will end. We'll never know. And, and, um, you know, I'm drawn to that. Uh, you know, we, we talk about it's, it's the day of hope. And I think, you know, in the midst of this pandemic, you know, one of the constant sort of spiritual themes that reemerges is, is, you know, I, where's the hope in all of this? Hmm. You know, I thought we would be out, out of this in a month or two or six months or whatever. Where's the hope in all of this? But in fact, the Christian who gathers on Sunday in the Eucharist can do no better to, to uh, as a source and font of hope can do no better than to to, to gather um, in the uh, and celebrate the Eucharist in the context of the assembly on the day of the Lord. You know, um, and so when we find ourselves in these circumstances looking for some ray of hope, really our answer is the Sunday celebration, the Sunday Mass, where Christ will come to us. Um, now, you, you speak about the Eucharist it, pointing us forward in time and hope, mm-hmm. also elevating our thoughts. That, that puts me in mind of the communion of saints. So is there a connection between our, our celebration of the body of Christ in my local parish? Are we connected through that also in a special way with the body of Christ uh, in heaven with the that's communion right. of saints? That's right. That's right. I mean, there is certainly a, a degree of um, appropriation that we have to make. Mm-hmm. You know, in the liturgical celebration, but for what, for what image? You know, for what? You know, to to join us, as I say, um, this is the one ongoing perpetual sacrifice. We talk about the three part: the church militant, the church triumphant, the church. Um, which one am I leaving out? Suffering. Uh, suffering. You know. You know. We're we're all present at the same sac- sacrifice, or, or know of this same sacrifice. You know, and so that's our goal. The, the Eucharist is drawing us towards that goal each time, you know, and, and so, the, you know, we, I, I think of the company, they're already there. We're invited in to what they're already enjoying, you know, what we're all experiencing. I, uh, here's another little liturgical caveat. If in this celebration of the Eucharist, um, a traditional orientation is for the priests and people to be facing the same way. Mm-hmm. And every, this sort of personal appropriation, the person of the priest is, the Lord be with you. A dialogue between the people, but at the Eucharistic prayer, the Sanctus, uh, before the Sanctus, he doesn't turn and face the people. He says, "The Lord be with you," because he's speaking to the communion of saints as well. We, at that point, have all joined and are facing the same direction, 
And so this is, you, you see what we miss when we're at home and, 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 you know, and log into the computer, or we just receive Holy Communion and, and deprive ourselves of the opportunity to pray the Eucharistic prayer. You know, it's the Eucharistic prayer that is our real obligation to participate in on the Sunday. You know, when we, when we, we prepare for that moment, the liturgy of the word climaxes, we have sort of two climaxes in the Mass, the liturgy of the word at the gospel, God's true presence, but then it's the Eucharistic prayer that leads us there. And so if we're not praying the Eucharistic, and we can't pray the Eucharistic prayer alone, we have to have the person of the priest to pray the Eucharistic prayer. And so when we're not there, when we don't have that opportunity to do that, there's a real void. There's a real void. We, we are sacramentally deficient. You know, my, my friend Father Lambert Greenan used to always sure. tell me that the, that the ministerial priest affects the sacrifice. Right. He affects it. But the whole church offers it. That's... And that was the teaching of, well, it's all the saints, but Sacrosanctum Concilium, the Second Vatican Council, makes that point explicitly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that out. I will think about that next time I hear the Eucharistic prayer prayed by the priest. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours. That's exactly right. You know, I'm also thinking this this element of the saints in heaven and the saints throughout the ages. You know, when I became Catholic in 2003, it was on the heels of oh, a lot of bad PR, bad news coverage about some scandals in the Catholic world. And a few people said, how can you become Catholic with this bad prelate and that bad bishop? And my response was, well, I, I'm not becoming Catholic because of them. Right. Yeah, I want to I want to be going to the same church that St. Augustine went to, that St. Thomas, that St. Francis. And they're actually with me there at Holy Mass. Mm-hmm. So, um, how is the Sunday Mass then related to the rest of my week? Well, I think, you know, we, we talk about the, um, the Eucharist. What we, we think of it, the Eucharist preeminently is celebrated in the Sunday Mass. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's the climax of our, you know, the, the council documents called it the source and summit. And we all know that that's sort of become a standard way of talking about the Eucharist. But truly, when you orient your life, when you orient the work, that you do in your week, you know, you draw strength, you draw the grace, you know, that flows to and from the Eucharist. You know, you are empowered to come from the Eucharist, living, you know, Christ dwelling with you, nurtured by him throughout your, your week. And then you look forward to the next time, you know, and you live in this tension of always being in communion with the Lord Jesus, you know, and those of us who have the opportunity to to celebrate the Mass as a priest does each day or to come to the daily Mass or with some more frequency, you know, that's an added bonus. But the church says, and you know, the way to be on your way to heaven, you know, is to be nourished by the sacraments, to know, you know, Bishop Baker would often talk about um, the, um, who was the the young man who was just canonized, he would talk about so often, he said, the highway to heaven is the reception of the Eucharist, hmm. you know, and um, that's what, that's why the church loves us so much and she knows us so much that that's, that's really the pastoral dimension of an obligation. The church says, you know, there's an obligation to go to confession once a year, you know, a precept of the church. Why? Because the church loves us. Right. The church says, if you'll go to confession, You'll make a word, and then we, and that's an obligation. You'll make a worthy communion, you know, and that's that's how the Lord comes to us. And so I think that's really um, that's really a long answer to your question. You know, how should that inform your week? But you, it it satiates this desire and this growth. But then it becomes a sort of insatiable 
appetite that you have until the next time that you can come to encounter the Lord in the Holy Mass on Sunday. Now, Father, we just have a couple minutes left. Um, I know that this year you've, as the vicar for sacred liturgy, you've answered a lot of questions from people about liturgical celebration. Was something that stood out to you in your mind over this past year, challenges you've had to face in, in, uh, in celebrating the liturgy? Yeah, I would say, um, first of all, I'm encouraged at a certain level that there's so much emotion behind, you know, the, the, the reception of Holy Communion, the celebration of the sacraments. And so, so at a certain sense, I'm encouraged. And for a new priest, it's very inspiring to see the seriousness with which so many people take their approach to the sacraments. But I think that an opportunity has emerged for us to reevaluate, really, as we've been trying to talk about today in some way, you know, what is it, what is our role, both as the priest and the lay faithful, what is our role at the Mass, and what is it not? What is not our role? You know, it doesn't mean to, that, that at every time you attend a Holy Mass that there's an obligation with a little O to receive Holy Communion. Hmm. Does it mean that there? What does it mean? And what is my participation at the Holy Mass each time? And so I get all kind. I won't get into too many specifics, but you know, um, there that that kind of thing has really emerged. And um, and pastors, you know, the creativity that has emerged to make sure the sacraments are available to the people has really been inspired too. I think that the charge of the Holy See and you know, and this office here is to always try to make sure we preserve the integrity of the sacraments um, as we write directives and how this can um, go. But I'm optimistic. I think we, we know a lot now we didn't know before, and I think we can um, really celebrate the Mass well going forward, maybe with a renewed perspective. If there was one thought you'd want people to take away from today in our discussion of the liturgy and its relationship to Sunday, what would that be? I, again, would say, you know, in this time, you know, this is the font of hope. And I would, I would just encourage you to go, to do not be afraid, be, use prudence and judgment. But the bishop is calling us back gently, calling us back, and, and, and we're doing what we can to make sure that, that we can safeguard and do this safely. But come, because the Lord will feed you. He's made a promise to us that he will keep, and the church will do its best to make sure that that's available to you. Well, Father, thank you so much. How about ending us with your blessing, okay. would you? The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, Father. Now, thank next you. time, thanks for listening to Living Catholic. In our next episode, I'm going to be speaking with David Nodar from Christ's Life Catholic Ministry to discuss how parish life and personal discipleship can connect, bringing people closer to Jesus and deeper into the life of the church. So please, you can subscribe to us on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Um, and leave us a rating or review. Finally, please recommend us to family and friends. We'd love to continue speaking with you in this special year focused on encountering Christ in our parish and in the Eucharist.